Well, hallelujah, church, and welcome to Easter Sunday here at Enon Baptist Church. We are so thankful uh, that you've decided to come and worship with us today. My name is Zach Reno, and I am the senior pastor here at Enon, and we are so thankful that each and every one of you have decided to join us uh, this morning. You know, it's always special to be in church on Sunday, but even more so on Easter Sunday, the day we celebrate Jesus having risen from the grave. You know, the fact of Jesus' resurrection is one of the most notable events in the history of the world. People who know very little about Jesus have heard of his resurrection. I remember hearing the story once about a man who traveled uh, to Israel to visit the Holy Land with his wife and, and his very cranky uh, mother-in-law. I know there's no mother-in-laws like that in here today, but uh, they went, and while they were there, having a great time, sadly... And the mother-in-law passed away. And so it obviously took the husband and the wife by by shock. And they were trying to figure out arrangements and those things. And so the man went to go meet with Israeli officials and was like, hey, what what do we do? And and the the people were very helpful. And they said, well, sir, we can do one of two things. Uh, We can ship your mother-in-law back home. uh, And you can bury her there in a family cemetery, wherever you would like in America. And that's going to be about $5,000. Or we can bury her here in Israel in a beautiful plot here, and that'll be about $500. And the man didn't really wait that long and uh, said, thank you so much, but, but we want to have her shipped home so that we can bury her in our family cemetery. Uh, the Israeli official said, man, I, we, uh, sir, we, we totally understand that. And I must say that that is very gracious and generous of you to do such a wonderful gesture for your mother-in-law. And the, the man responded, he said, well, thank you, sir. But if I'm honest, the main reason I'm paying to bring her home is because I heard once about a man who got buried over here about 2,000 years ago and, and he didn't stay dead. And so frankly, I can't take that chance. And so... <clears throat> But in all seriousness, today is one of the holiest days in the Christian church. Today we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose again three days after having died on the cross for the sin of the world. I invite you this morning to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 24. Luke 24 records the happenings at the tomb on that very first Easter Sunday morning. And I invite you to stand with me today in reverence to the reading of God's Word. And if you can't stand, we understand that. Uh, we invite you to stand and just reverence the Lord there in your hearts from your seats. But Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they, meaning some of the women who were followers of Jesus, came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? And you can underline verse 6 there in your Bibles. It says, For he is not here, he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Let's pray together. Lord, I truly pray, God, this morning you know the names of every person in this room. And God, I I believe truly that Jesus, you want to manifest yourself as alive in the hearts and lives of every person here. 
And so, Jesus, we just invite you to come. God, I pray that you would hide me, God, behind the cross, Lord, that you would speak this morning. And, God, I pray that you would help all of us here to cooperate, God, with what you were leading today. Jesus, Lord, we invite you to come. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, not only does this incredible text remind us of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, but it also reminds us of the crucifixion. Jesus said there uh, that he would be delivered into the hands of sinful men and they would crucify him and then he would rise again on the third day. As exciting as it is for us to celebrate Jesus rising from the grave, the resurrection from the tomb, we must remember that the reason why Jesus was risen from the grave was because first he died on the cross. And we have to take a moment to remember why he died on the cross. See, the Bible says that we were all created in the image of God. That all of us are eternal in one aspect. That we will forever uh, be eternally either with God or under His judgment. And the Bible says that because all of us were sinners, is that we were eternally set to be under the judgment of God. But, the Bible says, but God so loved the world. That God sent His Son Jesus to this earth to die on a cross in our place. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ died once for the sins of the world, all of us. The just, meaning innocent, meaning Jesus. For the unjust, meaning guilty, meaning all of us. So that he might bring us to God. That is the gospel. And Jesus proved that he was who he said he was by raising from the dead on the third day. By seeing his resurrection from the grave, we are able to notice and to recognize that he was the Savior of the world. Today on Easter Sunday, we celebrate not only that Jesus is alive, but we also celebrate the fact that our Savior, the conqueror of sin, the redeemer of our souls is alive. Friends, this morning, this is the Christian hope. Jesus and Jesus being alive is the foundation of our faith. Because Jesus has risen from the grave, his followers are given salvation. We are given forgiveness. We are given eternal life that is awaiting us in heaven and his continual presence on this earth. You know, if you are here this morning today, we all pretty much fall into one of three categories as it pertains to where we are with God. There there are those of you who are here this morning that, man, you are faithful followers of Jesus. And Easter is your favorite day of the year. When you talk about he is risen, he is risen indeed. It fills your heart with great joy. Can I get an amen from all of those? That's you here this morning. And then there are those, you're here today, and you say, Pastor Zach, I, I think I once had that hope. I think I once had that hope that Jesus was alive and I believed in him and I followed him. But you might say that you're not sure if you have that hope anymore. Maybe you've drifted from God or maybe you never really knew him in the first place. And that's some people who are here today. And then there are that third group of people that admittedly you're here this morning and you have no real relationship with Jesus. And you don't fully understand the joy of Easter and the hope of Jesus. And I want you to know today, as the pastor of Enon Baptist Church sent here from the Lord, and I want you to know here today on the authority of Scripture that no matter who you are and what group you're in, I believe truly that a living Jesus wants to meet with every one of you today. 
Like, I, I really want you to know that, that a Jesus Christ, the living Son of God, wants to manifest himself in some way in every heart and life here this morning. As I prayed in the weeks leading up here to Easter, I felt like the Lord very clearly led me to attempt this morning to answer one major question today. And that is, who is the resurrection for? Now, I know all you English teachers here this morning, you hate the way that I phrase that. And you would rather me use the word, to whom did Jesus rise? Or, but the reality is we live in Morris, Alabama, and that makes the most sense for us here today. Who is the resurrection for? When I say that, essentially, I'm saying, who did Jesus rise for? Who does Jesus want them to know that he is alive? Here's even to bring it home for us this morning. Who does a living Jesus want to meet with today? Now, I believe that the scriptures clearly teach that anyone who seeks to truly know and follow Jesus can experience him. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All over the Bible, we see God inviting people to himself. All over the Bible, we see God drawing people to himself, and that's true. But the Bible does more than just give us doctrinal statements, give us statements to let us know who he is alive for, who he desires to come to himself. But the Bible also gives us pictures of that. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Bible also gives us pictures, it gives us examples in Scripture of people who raised, who, who ultimately saw Jesus resurrected from the grave and who were able to meet with him in a real life-changing way. You know, the Bible says that after Jesus rose from the grave, that he didn't immediately return back to the Father. The Bible actually says that Jesus appeared to multiple different groups of people for a period of 40 days prior to him ascending back to the Father. These are called the post-resurrection appearances. And I believe this morning that if we take the time to look at some of these resurrection appearances, I believe that they can speak to us and help us answer the question today, who did Jesus rise for? And it can speak to us this morning, does Jesus want me to know that he is alive today? And I believe that if we look closely at each one of these pictures, I believe that we can see ourselves in one of these post-resurrection appearances. So I want to give you four of these appearances, four moments where Jesus revealed himself to people to show them that he was alive as a way to speak to us today what type of people Jesus wants to meet with this morning. So that our text will be on the screen today. But if you're keeping notes, our first truth today is that the Bible shows us that the resurrection of Jesus was for the followers of Jesus. When I mention followers of Jesus, I'm talking about people who have already committed their lives to following Jesus. You know, it actually was on the very first Easter, it was faithful followers of Jesus who were the first people to see that he was alive, who were the first people that he showed himself to that he was alive. As we saw from Luke 24 in our text this morning, the Bible says that on that first Easter, early in the morning before dawn, that Mary Magdalene and some of the other ladies who were followers of Jesus, that they had come to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. And when they arrived, the Bible says that they found the stone had already been rolled away. And then when they step into the tomb, they have an appearance of angels who speak to them and told them that Jesus was alive. 
In Matthew 28, verses 8 and 9, it shows us what happens just after they've had this uh, encounter with the angels. It says, And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran and reported it to the disciples. And behold, look in verse 9, Jesus met with them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Now, can you imagine this moment for these ladies? Here, these ladies were faithful followers of Jesus. They were still heartbroken. They were still confused. They were grieving the death of their Savior, but yet they were still coming to faithfully serve their king. They were coming to anoint the body of Jesus. And then suddenly, once they arrive, not only is the tomb open, not only do they have an encounter with some angels, but then they run straight into Jesus himself. And the Bible says that they are so overwhelmed with joy that they fall at his feet and they worship him. This was a Psalms 30 verse 5 moment for these ladies. Weeping may endure for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Now, of all the things that this text can show us this morning, the one thing that I believe that this text can speak to us here today is that of all the people that Jesus could have shown himself to very first to reveal himself to that he was alive, he started off by speaking to those faithful followers of Jesus. As I was preparing for this message here today, the one thing that I felt like the Lord wanted me to remind us of this morning was it takes a moment to speak to all of you faithful saints of God, all of you committed followers of Jesus here this morning. So often around Easter, it's the faithful saints of God who are inviting neighbors and friends to come to church on Easter, who are serving and preparing and, and, and looking that lost people may come to faith in Christ. And absolutely, that's right and good and true. But sometimes it's those faithful followers of Jesus who can look past the truth that, you know, Jesus rose, not just that sinners might be saved, but so the saints of God could continually walk in the hope of the fact that Jesus is alive. I want you to know this morning that Jesus wants you faithful followers of Jesus to have a real interaction with him today, that you might be able to sing the words to that great hymn with truth that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Oh, faithful followers of Jesus today, because Jesus is alive, you have hope in so many different ways. Because Jesus is alive today, your sins are still forgiven. And that's important for us to know because even followers of Jesus, we still mess up and we still step off the path. But because Jesus is the Savior of your soul, if you truly know him, all of your sins are forgiven, past, present, and even your future. Faithful followers of Jesus, because Jesus is alive today, you can take hope that heaven truly does await you. Heaven truly awaits you today. If Easter says anything to us this morning, it reminds us that death does not have the final say. Oh, faithful.
Full saints of God, as the world around us continues to get darker and darker, we need to take hope this morning that our redemption draws nigh. One day we will see our Savior face to face. That's real. That's not a fairy tale. Jesus said right now, a living Lord Jesus, what is he doing? John chapter 14 says that he is preparing a place for us in heaven that where he is, we may be also. Also, if you're a faithful follower of Jesus, I felt like the Lord wanted me to remind you today that because he's alive, one day your service to him will be rewarded. I I know today in this room that this room is filled with servants of God. We have prayer warriors here this morning. We have kids workers here this morning. We have gospel sharers here this morning. We have generous givers here this morning. We have missionaries here this morning and so many others. The one thing that every faithful servant of Jesus knows is serving Jesus is not always easy. Man, I think about these women coming to the tomb on that very first Easter morning. They had just seen their Savior die just hours earlier. But yet they come early before dawn just to anoint his body because he had been buried so hastily there on that Friday. They were on the way to serve their Savior who had died. If that picture reminds us of anything, it reminds us that sometimes serving Jesus is hard. But this Easter Sunday, God wants to remind all faithful servants of him that he sees you, he loves you, and one day he will reward you for the things that you have done for his glory. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, in the future, speaking of himself, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Now listen to this last portion. He says, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing or longed for his appearing or looked for Jesus. Friends, I want you to know something today. That if you are a servant of God, if you're a faithful follower of Jesus, your living Savior is alive and he sees every act that you do for his name and glory. Even when nobody else sees it, he sees every toddler classroom that you, that you watch and keep. Praise the Lord. You've got a lot of treasure in heaven coming for that. He sees every neighbor that you point to Jesus. He sees every person that you pray for and serve in the good times and the bad. He sees you and one day he will reward you for it. You know what brings our, our, our faith into context sometimes is to think about it in the context of people that we know. You know, this Easter, all of us in this room, most of us will celebrate Easter this year and recognize there are people who are not here this Easter, that were there last Easter. There are some people who have already left this world and gone into the next world. But I want you to know for every faithful servant of God, they've just crossed the finish line before us. But they have already seen the face of their Savior. They have already heard, well done, my good and faithful servant. They have already had the King of Kings place a crown upon their head. Oh, faithful followers of Jesus this morning, your Savior is alive and all of his promises remain true and faithful this morning. Let's give him praise in this house today. And because Jesus is alive, you can know that you're never alone. And I just just want to pause for a moment. I want you to think about that. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit is basically Jesus in spirit here with us, among us, 
And one of the last promises he gives to his disciples before he ascended back to the Father, he said in Matthew 28, verse 20, And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I want you to remember this morning, followers of Jesus, that on this Easter Sunday, your Savior is alive and he is near to you this morning. You are never alone. He is near to you today. So on this Easter, who does Jesus want to reveal himself to? Well, first and foremost, he wants to reveal himself to every faithful follower of Jesus. Secondly, this morning, this text reminds us, the Bible reminds us that the resurrection of Jesus was also for the doubters. Now, when we mention people who doubted God in the Bible, it's hard for most people not to immediately think about Thomas, one of Jesus' original 12 disciples. Thomas is known in Christian history as doubting Thomas because of how he responded after hearing of Jesus' resurrection. The Bible says in John 20 that on the evening of the very first Easter Sunday that all the disciples, except for Thomas, that they were all gathered together in a room with the door shut. And then suddenly Jesus appeared in the room with them and proved to him that he was alive. Which, by the way, shut doors have never been a problem for the king of kings. Jesus stepped right into the room with them and showed them that he was alive. It was an amazing moment. However, when Thomas showed up later, John 20, verses 24 through 28, records his experience. It says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Which, by the way, if you're a person who struggles with FOMO, with fear of missing out, this is the worst FOMO moment in the history of the world. Jesus showed up and you were not in the room. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. See, this is why he got the name Doubting Thomas. However, that's not where the story ends. Verse 28 says, verse 26 says, After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut. Here Jesus is again stepping into a room with closed doors. And he stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands. Reach here your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. As we see from this story, Thomas was a faithful follower of Jesus. He believed in Jesus all the way up until the point that he was raised from the dead. See, there was a point where Thomas's faith ran out. There was a point where Thomas's faith hit a wall. The truth is, is that for some of you in this room today, you're just like Thomas. Your faith has a line that it will not cross. And because of that, you're missing out on so much of what God desires for you. Some of you here today, you doubt that Jesus can really forgive you of your sin. Some of you here this morning, you doubt that Jesus can really change your life. Some of you here today, you doubt that Jesus can truly set you free. You don't believe in the manifest power of God among you. Some of you here in this room today, you doubt that you can ever be close to God again. And for some of you, you doubt that Jesus is even real. But according to Scripture, Thomas's doubt didn't remain 
once Jesus manifested himself to him. And I want you to hear this this morning. If this text teaches us anything, it teaches us that God is not afraid to meet people in their doubts. In fact, Jesus did exactly what Thomas had requested. He said, I will not believe unless I see. He kind of drew a line in the sand and said, unless Jesus steps across this line, I'm not going to believe. And what do we see a merciful, gracious Savior do? He crosses that line. Jesus steps into the room and says, Thomas, see. Thomas, do not be unbelieving, but be believing. What does that say to us this morning? It says to us that God is patient with our doubts. But it also says that God's not afraid to meet us in our doubts. I want you to know this morning that a living Jesus is still causing people. He's still pursuing people and causing people to believe. If you remember here at Enon several years ago, uh, I've told this story before. Kimberly and I were living in Arkansas, and one of the things that we always do when we move into a neighborhood is we try to be men on that neighborhood. We want to be missionaries in that neighborhood. God has placed us here. We want to be a light for Jesus in this neighborhood. And so we try to meet our neighbors, and we bake cookies, and we introduce ourselves to people. We're those people. Sorry. You know, anyway. But we had met one of our neighbors. His name was Frank. Met him once, just very briefly, and, and that was pretty much it. And so as I started to pray for our neighbors, to pray for open doors, uh, I was praying for Frank. And it was around this time of year, I was working in my garden, and, uh, and my tomatoes were just now getting ripe. And listen, it's a big deal in my house for me to actually be able to get the ripe tomatoes because my wife loves a fried green tomato, and she will pick my tomatoes before they get red. And so, I mean, I had, I had kept her away, you know, and all that. And so that first crop of tomatoes, that are the best ones. They're just getting red and ripe. And, and about that time, Frank drives by and he honks his horn and I wave at him. And as soon as I wave at him, the Holy Spirit prompts me in my heart and says, go give Frank some tomatoes. And my first thought was, I looked at these beautiful ripe tomatoes. I was like, Lord, really? You know, anyway, so, but I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't remain there long. I picked these tomatoes, I put them in a sack, and I walked down the street, and I knocked on Frank's door. Frank came to the door, and I said, hey, neighbor, man, I've got, been working in my garden. I got some fresh tomatoes here for you, and gave them to him. And, and then I asked him, I said, Frank, man, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. One of the things the Bible says for us to do is to love our neighbors. And, man, one of the best ways we think we can do that is just by praying for folks. So, Frank, is there any way I could pray for you? And you could tell he seemed a little shocked by that. And, and he said, you know, I guess, sure, but, you know, just for life, you know. And so before I prayed for him, I, I shared my personal testimony with him of how I came to faith in Jesus and, and just told him, Frank, Jesus loves you. And if you ever want to talk about that kind of stuff, I'm just right up the road. I prayed for him and left. It was simple, you know, and, and went home. About four hours later, I get a knock on my door. Not like a nice, like I'm selling Girl Scout cookies knock. It's like a SWAT team knock, you know. And, and I go and I open the door and it's Frank. And I can tell that he is very emotional. And I invite him in and he sits down and he says, Zach, I've got to know, what caused you to come to my house today? I said, well, Frank, I'll be honest with you, man. That may seem, it's kind of a funny question, but I was working in my garden today. And man, I pray for you. I've been praying for you regularly. And I felt like Jesus told me to come give you some tomatoes. And he erupted in emotion. And then he started to tell me how he was struggling with bondages in his life. And, and he was, didn't even know if God was real, but he was empty and broken in his life. And he said he got up that morning and he said he prayed for the first time in a long time, if ever, in his life. And he said, God, I need help. And if you're real, I pray you would let me know. 
He said, and Zach, I prayed that this morning, and for the last four hours, I've been sitting in my living room battling with myself, and I came to the conclusion that there's no way that it can be a coincidence. There's no way that it's, it's by happenstance. I believe that God must have sent you because he's real. And I began to, a relationship with Frank that ended up with a couple of weeks later, Frank ended up giving his life to Jesus. A couple of weeks after that, on a Sunday morning, Frank got baptized in front of our church to let the church know that he was a Christian. God had done a work in his life. And I just want all the doubters this morning to know, no matter if you doubt in the belief of Jesus or even Jesus' ability to move and work in your life in some way, I want you to know here today, God's on record for stepping into the rooms with the doubters. And this is what he's waiting on from you. Sometimes God's just waiting on you to take one step towards him. James chapter 4 says this, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. I would beg you this morning, if you're going to be a doubter or a skeptic, don't be a lazy doubter and don't be a lazy skeptic. What do you have to lose if you call out to God and say, God, would you show up in my life? Would you show yourself to me? You have nothing to lose if God doesn't show up, but you have everything to gain if he does. And this is what I believe. I believe God is all about showing up in people's hearts and lives. So this morning, who is Easter for? Easter's for the followers of Jesus. This morning, Jesus rose for you doubters because he's not far from you. He wants to see you and know you today. But thirdly, today the Bible also shows us that the resurrection of Jesus was also for the failures. Now one of the most moving stories of Jesus revealing himself to people after his resurrection is in the moment in John 21 when Jesus appears to Peter on the beach. Now, it's hard to underestimate the importance of Peter among the rest of the 12 disciples of Jesus in the New Testament. Peter was one of the very first that Jesus called to be his disciple. Remember, he was a fisherman, and Jesus comes to him and says, Follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. And the Bible says he leaves his nets. And he follows Jesus. Peter was one of the inner circle among the 12. There was the 12, and then there was Peter, James, and John. And in Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus showed up one night walking to the disciples on the water, it was Peter who said, Lord, if that's really you, let me step out of the boat and come to you on the water. And the Bible says that Peter became the second man in history to ever walk on water as he stepped out of the boat and walked with Jesus. Of all the wonderful things that Peter did as a follower of Jesus, sadly, his story is also marked by a moment of great failure. On the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested, Jesus told his disciples before that they would all soon fall away from him. But Peter proclaimed, Though all may fall away, I will never turn away from you. Jesus said to Peter in response, Before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And that proved to be exactly what happened. The Bible says that once Jesus was arrested, Peter followed at a distance. And he was asked on three different occasions if he was a disciple of Jesus. And out of fear and uncertainty, Peter denied that he knew Jesus on three separate occasions. Matthew chapter 26 verses 74 and 75 record what happened just after Peter's third denial. It says, and immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words which Jesus had said, before rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And the Bible says, he went out and wept bitterly. Here's a painting depicting the moments after Peter's denial. We see him with his face turned towards the ground, 
turning away, weeping, hiding himself in a corner alley. The reason why Peter was weeping bitterly, because he truly loved Jesus, and he truly, truly regretted his failure, but at that point, there was nothing he could do about it. How many of us have been in this same place before in our relationship with God? In one moment, you have great zeal for God. Your heart is filled with love for God, love for others, love for the things of God. In those moments, we can feel so close to God, so purposeful, so hopeful. Then suddenly, you're faced with a moment of temptation, a moment of decision, a moment of choice. And even though just a few moments earlier, you would have said, I will never not follow you, Jesus. Suddenly, you have failed. You've made the wrong decision you turned away from God, and immediately, like Peter, your heart is broken and grieved. Friends, every Christian at some point has been there. If I relate to anyone personally today among these post-resurrection appearances, I relate mostly to Peter and his failures. But the Bible makes it clear that, Jesus, that, that Peter was so overcome with guilt that he began to question whether or not he could even remain a disciple of Jesus. And that's where we get to John chapter 21. In John chapter 21, Jesus has revealed himself to his disciples that he's alive, but he hasn't commissioned them yet. He hasn't ascended back, ascended back to the Father yet, so they're just kind of waiting on him. And the Bible says in John 21 that Peter says, I'm going fishing, and the rest of the disciples follow him. Now, that can seem pretty vanilla at first. You know, okay, Peter, they're just waiting around, so Peter's going fishing. Every good old boy in Alabama is like, hey, why we'll kill some time. Let's go catch some fish. But the reality is, is it's much deeper and darker than that. See, Peter was a fisherman before he was a disciple. He's so overcome with guilt over his failure that as he waits for Jesus, he finally gives up. He is turning in his notice as a disciple, and he's going back to fishing. Peter feels unworthy now to follow after Jesus in his failure. You know, most people, what I have found, when they face spiritual tragedy in their life, moments like moral failure, we either do one of two things. We either turn to God with it, or we turn away from God with it. And in this moment, Peter is turning away from God. However, that is not how Peter's story ends. The Bible says that after Peter and his disciples have gone fishing all night and have caught nothing, that something beautiful happens the next morning. This may be one of my favorite verses in all the New Testament. In John 21 verse 4 it says, But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. This is another resurrection appearance. When the sun rose on Peter having ran away from God, it gave evidence that God was still running towards him. When Peter was giving up, God was just getting started. The Bible says that after this moment, once Peter, we don't have time to tell the whole story, but after Peter realizes that it's Jesus, he jumps in the water and swims to Jesus because he's miserable, which is so true when followers of Jesus are running from God. Some of you know that misery, and so he has this opportunity. He swims to Jesus. Once he gets to Jesus, Jesus helps him repent. Jesus helps him tell, tell him, I love you three times in the same way Peter had said, I deny you three times. But then Jesus begins to restore Peter's soul from his guilt. In John 21 verses 18 and 19, 
Jesus makes a profound statement to Peter. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Thus, he says, signifying by which kind of death he would glorify God. Notice that death, that he would glorify God. And then when he had said this, he said, follow me. Now, I want you to hang in there with me. We're almost done with this part right here. But this I want you to think about here. What happened in this moment is that Jesus restores Peter. He, he repents. He says, okay, now I, I want to speak something into you, Peter. He said, Peter, as a young man, you used to do what you wanted to do, and you failed. But then he says, but Peter, as an old man, you will serve me so faithfully that one day you will give your life for me. One day, not only will you not deny me, but you will follow me unto death. Church history tells us that after this moment on the beach, that God begins to use Peter throughout the rest of his life so mightily. In fact, he serves Jesus so well that when he's an old man, he is arrested for preaching the gospel. And he is set to be crucified like Jesus. And in the last moments, Peter didn't deny Jesus this time. But he said his only request was, I'm not worthy to die as my Savior died. And so church history tells us that they crucified Peter upside down. Here's a painting of that moment. Here's a painting of Peter as an old man having his greatest moment of victory for the kingdom of God. Now I want you to think about that first Peter and that, that, that first picture and that second picture here for a moment. I want you to think about this here for a moment. In the first picture there, we see Peter in his worst moment. And some of you who are here this morning, you're running from God. You know what that picture looks like. You've got that worst moment picture. But Jesus didn't leave him there. Jesus gave him a picture of his greatest victory. And here he is in this moment, his greatest victory, going all the way to the cross to serve Jesus. And what happened in the middle there, the difference that happened in the middle, was in John 21, in the middle of his greatest failures, Jesus pursued him. He ran straight on into the grace of God. And Jesus looked at him and said to Peter, Peter, I'm not done with you. You, I'm not giving up on you. At the beginning of John 21, Peter was giving up, but Jesus was just getting started. I want you to know here this morning, some of you are in a similar place. You have failed God, and because of that, you've ran away from God. Some of you might be running away from God by not coming to church anymore. Some of you might be running away from God by not reading your Bible or praying anymore. Some of you might be running away from God by trying to fill your soul with all the pleasures of this world, even though you know they do not satisfy. Some of you already feel like the end of your story has been written, and in your eyes, it ends with you being a failure. But I want you to know today that even though you may have given up on God, God has not given up on you. If Resurrection Sunday says any Anything to us today, it is the story's not over until God says it's over. I want you to know this morning. Whew, I want you to know this morning that as I prayed for you coming into this Easter, we, we love to celebrate the fact that Jesus walked out of the tomb. But you know what the Bible says what Jesus can do? He didn't just walk out of the tomb but that we can become like him in the likeness 
of his resurrection. That means Jesus can walk us out of some tombs. Some of you this morning, Jesus wants to walk you out of a tomb of shame. Some of you this morning, Jesus wants to walk you out of a tomb of guilt. Some of you this morning, Jesus wants you to walk out of a tomb of hypocrisy and, 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 and hopelessness. Jesus wants to take you from death to life. And he can do that today if you're just seeking. And lastly, this morning, as our instrumentalists begin to come, our fourth and final truth today is the Bible shows us that the resurrection of Jesus was for the many. You know, of all the resurrection appearances, the post-resurrection appearances we have of Jesus, there's one that is very mysterious. I won't read the whole passage, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 6, Paul talks about some people that Jesus revealed himself to after he rose from the grave. And in verse 6 it says, And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at once, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. In 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us that there was a moment somewhere in that 40 days where Jesus appeared to 500 people to show that he was alive. We don't know anything else about this occurrence in Scripture other than we know that it actually happened because Paul even said, hey, most of whom are still remain, though some have fallen asleep. He says some have passed away, but the vast majority of them are still here. If you don't believe it, go ask them. It's one of the main reasons why we know the text is true in Scripture. It's got built-in verifications. But when you think about the 500, we don't know anything else about these people. But the only thing, one of the main things that we can take from that, one of the main truths we can take from that moment is that Jesus showed up to a lot of people. There was a moment there where Jesus let a lot of people know that he was alive. If this text tells us anything this morning, it is that Jesus desires that multitudes of people would know and believe. God's always been on the side of wanting a lot of people to know that he's alive. John chapter 3 verse 16, one of the most quoted passages in all the New Testament. For God so loved the world. That's a lot of folks. That whoever, that means anybody, believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I don't know who was in that 500, but I could imagine that there was some senior adults. I can imagine there was some teenagers. I can imagine there were some skeptics. I can imagine that there were some failures. I can imagine that there were some messed up people among that 500. And you know, the, the more you walk with Jesus, the more you find out, hey, we're all messed up, and that's why we need Jesus. But you know what? Jesus wanted them to know he's alive. I want you to know that this Easter Sunday, Jesus wants every one of you in this room to know he's alive. And all you've got to do is take a step towards him. In the book of Revelations, chapter 3, Jesus is talking to a church there. And he gives them a beautiful picture. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone who hears my voice opens the door, I will come into him and he will dine with him and he with me. Man, what an incredible picture from the Son of God that he would stand and knock on the doors of our hearts. And all we've got to do 
is open the door and let him in. I want you to know that this Easter Sunday morning, my prayer is that every one of you in this room would see that door right in front of you. That Jesus is inviting you to step through. Some of you this morning, it's just you're a faithful follower of Jesus and Jesus is just inviting you to step through and just remember that he loves you, that he's near to you, that heaven awaits you, that you are his child. Be encouraged this morning. Some of you this morning, you're doubters. But you sense God drawing you. You hear in your soul that knock from Jesus. He's inviting you to take a step towards him today. To say, Jesus, I want to know that you're real, that you're alive. I seek you today. Some of you are failures. You love Jesus and you know it. You know that. But you feel like you've messed up so much that you're not worthy of following him anymore. I want you to know this morning, he stands at the door and knocks and says, I'm not done with you. Oh, friends, if I could only tell you how many times I've heard that voice in my life. Zach, I'm not done with you. I love you. Just come. And some of you today, you you don't know him. But you feel God drawing you today. You know that you need a Savior. You've never been a Christian. You don't claim that at all. You may be religious. But you know you're not a follower of Jesus. Listen, let me say this. When it comes to following Jesus, he's either everything or nothing. And you know that he's not everything today. But you know you need him. You know that you're a sinner. You know you're separated from God. But he loves you enough to die on the cross for your sins. To tell you that he loves you. And all you've got to do is step through that door. Faith and say, Jesus, I receive you. He'll come alive in your hard life today. He'll walk you out of that tomb and bring you into new life. So I'm going to invite you, every one of you, to take a moment with God this Easter. Let me say something. Can I say what would be a tragedy today? It would be a tragedy if this Easter Sunday we got up put on some nice clothes, came to church, heard a message, sang a little bit, hung out with family and went to bed tonight and we let sleep cross our eyes and we have not met with a living Savior. That would be a tragedy today, folks, because He loves you and He is knocking on the door saying, come to me, every one of us today, come to me. And you can do that So I'm going to ask you right there where we are, everybody, if you to bow your head, maybe close your eyes just for a moment, and let's just have a moment with God. However God is calling you to open that door, would you just respond to Him today? Call out to Him. If you need to come back to God, say, God, I'm coming back. Here I am, Lord. You say, Lord, I love you. I just need to know that you love me today. But I want to say this, for those in this room, and you say, I need Jesus, and I know that I don't have him. You can receive him right there where you are. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You can pray something like this from your heart to the Lord. Don't repeat after me, but call out to Jesus. Just say, dear Jesus, save me. I give my life to you. I make you the Lord of my life. I believe you died for me on the cross. Save me, Jesus. I give my life to you. If you call out to him, he'll save you right there where you are. Now, we're about to close, but before we do that, I just want to take one moment as pastor just to be able to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed just for a moment. And this is private between 
you and I. But if you ask Jesus to save you this morning, I just want to be able to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. You're not going to, this, nobody will know this except you and I. But if you ask Jesus to save you this morning, would you just glance up at me? Just make eye contact with me. And you can look back down right there where you are. Is that you this morning? Say, Pastor Zach, that's me. I asked Jesus to save me. Would you just glance up? I'm, I'm surveying the room right there where you are. Amen. Amen. Others in this room today, you say, Pastor Zach, that's me. Amen. I see you. Amen. I see you. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Anybody else, you say, Pastor Zach, that's me. Man, I asked Jesus to save me this morning. Amen. I see you, buddy. Let me say this to you. Praise the Lord Jesus that you called up to Him to save you. Walking with Him, this is where that relationship begins. You've got to learn how to walk with Him, and that's where the church comes in. And we want to help you do that. So if you ask Jesus to save you this morning, there's a couple ways that you can let us know that. One of our ministers will just get in touch with you with a phone call and just talk to you about some next steps, how you can connect here at the church and those things. You can take that yellow card that everybody had when you came in this morning and you can just mark on there I gave my life to Christ there's a little bubble box there at the bottom you can mark on that or you can take one of those blue cards out of the seat back in front of you and just give us a name and a phone number and a way that we can get in touch with you I'm going to ask you to be bold enough today that if you genuinely ask Jesus to save you let us know so that we can help you in those next steps if you're interested in and you say man I'm coming back to Jesus and you need to reconnect at Enon you need to make Enon a church home Take, make your church home. Take that card and mark it on there. Say, I want to connect at Enon. Turn that in at the conclusion of our service, and we'll get in touch with you. We'll tell you more about what it means to follow Jesus and how the church can help you do that. Our pastors are going to be up front this morning. If you need somebody to pray with you today, don't leave. We'd love to pray for you. Remember, everybody's messed up. We all need people to pray for us. If you need to join this church, or if you just want to come and meet with God, you do that as we sing this morning. Would you stand? As Brother Ken leads us.